A message today entitled, Love Made Me Do It. Father, we may love be the most motivating force behind our response to you and everyone and everything in life. Amen. Well, we're going to do this. My voice doesn't hurt. I hope it's not hurting you. Uh, Today is our final message in the series, Achieving Financial Freedom, a four-part series that we've been in. By the way, this entire series is available online at calvaryqc.org. You can download it for free, uh, or you can purchase it if you'd like to purchase it in a CD binder with all the CDs. Uh, They tell me they've got them ready to go, and within five minutes after the service, they'll have the fourth message today that you're hearing now uh, in the final set, and they'll have them all ready to go so you can pick them up on your way out. They're $150, and today you can have them for $15, all right? So that's a good deal. And uh, I hope this series has been adding to your life and your family and your future. I hope you have received it as from the Lord, um, because that's the heart in which it's given. I want to thank our team for the props and graphics for this series. Great job, guys. Our first week, we talked about the continuum, continuum between a couch potato and a workaholic and realized that really neither one of those were God's plan, were they? The following week, we learned that we needed a plan for achieving financial freedom, and we talked about this 10-10-80 plan. We invited people to consider getting on that plan or some variation thereof. Last week, we talked about debt, no, savings, Yes, and we realized that debt was like that monster knockout blow to our lives. Debt needs to go. Amen. One of our Calvary couples had a party with their kids. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to bring it. It's on my desk, honey. Oh, I'm I'm not going to go get it. The next crowd will get to see it. I, I, I got so much stuff. A family in our church had a, took their kids and had a, credit card cutting up party and cut up all their credit cards, put them in a nonstick frying pan and melted them all together. And they have this thing that I was going to show you this morning. And I was excited about that. And they keep it around where they can see it to remind them no debt for this family. Hey, do you like that idea? Isn't that great? I liked it. And I meant to bring it from my desk this morning. Oh, well, today's message is love made me do it. If you noticed, every one of these messages have had a total different topic. Um, And today is no different. According to the psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow, I took one of his courses. It was a mandatory class when I was in college. I did go for a couple of years. And uh, believe it or not, and... uh, He says that people develop from one layer of interest or complexity to the next one, and so on and so on. And so in your outline that you've been given when you came in this morning, here is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'm just going to make this point to get to where I want to go. So we're going to quickly give them to you. The first was physiological. He says this is the first level of need that must be met with human beings. If we're hungry or thirsty... We just need water and food. The next one, he said, was safety. If we want to have security, a place to live, 
and some order and stability in our lives. The next, he said, is belonging. If we, if we have food, we have water, we have security, order and stability in our lives, then we go to this level of wanting to belong, this need for belonging. We want a sense of belonging. We wonder if we belong anywhere and who are the people that we're important to, who loves us, who doesn't love us, where do we fit? When we graduate from that level of life, we go to what he calls esteem, and this is where we wonder, am I respectable, am I successful in life? And then he goes to the fifth and last level that he has coined this term, self-actualization, When we have all of those other needs met, Maslow says the top one is self-actualization. He says when you get to the peak of personal development, that's when you can enjoy yourself, your abilities, and your relationships. You can explore mystery, beauty, and creativity. His idea is that when we've reached being self-actualized, we're then a fully developed person. Now, I am not endorsing Maslow at all. In fact, I probably took more time there than I needed to because I just wanted to use this example this morning to talk about spiritual development in our lives in the area of finances, achieving financial freedom, and how this works spiritually in our lives, and how do we develop as God's people. And start at maybe a basic motivation for giving and work our way up to what I would call this morning the highest level of motivation for giving. So we're going to talk this morning about a hierarchy of giving. And the first one that we're going to talk about is self-interest. In the early days of Calvary, there was a businessman coming to our services who was not yet a Christian, but he really loved Calvary. We were brand new, just getting rolling as a church, and uh, things were going pretty well. And this guy comes and is very excited about the church. But he was concerned as a brand new church about Calvary's financial needs. So he invited me out to lunch. He's a businessman in the community. He's not approaching this from a biblical view, understanding, but as a successful businessman, he wants to help this young pastor out. Brings his legal pad, his calculator, his pen and pencil, and takes me out to lunch to help us figure out how we're going to make sure that Calvary succeeds. He asked me while we're eating a taco, How much does it cost the church to be in operation per week? And so he's got me figuring this up. Rent for our Sunday services. We're renting a building at the time on Sundays. Rent for our offices in East Moline. Utilities, insurances, taxes, my salary, equipment, curriculum, everything I could think of of what it took to operate and to give. We started giving right from the top. And at that time, when you took it all together, we come up with this figure of $5,000 a month to operate this brand new church. 
He said, oh, give me for a few minutes here. And so he's scribbling on this notepad and he's writing. He's calculating. He's figuring up things. Asked me a few questions along the way. Finally, he said, I got it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to charge every person 10 bucks when they hit the door on Sunday morning. <laughs> Kids between 12 and 18, $5. Three bucks a head to put your kids in a class and $2 for parking. If my calculations are correct, this will take care of that need. And he felt really good about it. I'm sitting there thinking, dear God, what am I going to say to this guy? <clears throat> he's figuring out that he's really excited about keeping the doors open to Calvary because it mattered to him. He had told me on a previous occasion that this was the first church he'd ever been a part of. He said, when I come here, Tim, I get it. You talk my language. You shoot straight. It makes sense to me. And I'm beginning to understand God and the Bible. And what he was basically saying was this. My wife and I and our kids benefit so much from being around this place that we have got to come up with a way to make sure the doors stay open to Calvary. Now, it was really self-interest and I'm not being negative towards the guy, but it was self-interest driving his plan. He believed that if he and others didn't kick in some money, Calvary might go away. Now, before we laugh too hard at this idea, many of us here today know what it is to join things and join them for self-interest purposes. We join gyms. We join country clubs. We join softball leagues. And we all ante up to pay the dues to keep the referee and the grounds going and, and the bills paid so we get to do what we want to do. So they benefit us. Did you know that many churches do the same thing? I don't know if you knew that. Some of you probably do. Some of you may not. They take a variation of the, quote, dues approach to giving. They basically tell their members in so many words, you got to pay to play. They divide the expenses of the church by the members and basically, believe it or not, send invoices to the people. Sometimes, I know for a fact this is true, they put on the bulletin board in the lobby, making it public, Who's paying and who's not? Because it's really at that point all about self-interest. I want to tell you that this first level of giving called self-interest, the Bible knows nothing of it. It's not a biblical way for any of us to give to the work and the kingdom of Almighty God. We can read the Bible from cover to cover and never find self-interest as a motivation for giving a portion of our earnings to support God's church. Are you going to be able to put up with me all right? Yeah. All right. The second one, 
This is the first level of biblical giving. It's called spiritual gratitude. Spiritual gratitude. Psalms 116, 12. Come on, read it for me. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? The starting point for giving to God's work is in response to God's outrageous provision of his son Jesus Christ for the payment of our sins. Biblically, giving is not mentioned unless it's joined to the cross. When we understand who Christ is and how he made salvation available to us, the response is gratitude. The Bible says that when God saw the dilemma of sinful men and sinful women in the world and how we become how we became uh, rebellious towards him, he had a decision to make. He could have looked away. He could have judged the world and blew it up. But God did this outrageous thing. He sent his son to pay for our wrongdoing so we could be right before him. When we understand what Jesus did for us, our response is what? gratitude, right? We go from self-interest to gratitude. Then it becomes literally a joy to give a portion of what he's given to us. And I would like to say that many of you are there. So pastor, if the first one is self-interest and it's not biblical, and really the first level of giving for a child of God is with gratitude, what's the next level of giving? And I would say that it would be called this, spiritual obedience. On this level, the Christ follower gets more specific. And if I could use this term without trying to cast people more mature, there is a matureness happening now in the heart of God's people as we have a desire to be obedient to the word of the Lord, to the heart of God. There is something happening that goes beyond gratitude that says, my heart is to obey the Lord. I want to obey God. I want to walk in obedience. I want him to be not only Savior, but Lord of my life. I want to obey him. If I know God is speaking to me to do something, My flesh may not want to do it, but my heart that's connected to the heart of the Father says, I will obey. One of my favorite New Testament passages is in Matthew 8, where Jesus runs across this Roman centurion. Now, I'm not sure if this guy's a Christian or not, really, but for sure he's a military guy. Did that sound bad? I hope not. And he's heard that Jesus has authority and power to work miracles. I want to read it to you on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. Listen to this. I love this passage. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, 
I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word. Would you say that with me? Just say the word. I like that. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The first time I read this story, I underlined the the little phrase in my Bible, just say the word. That jumped at me. This centurion had this thing with the Lord. Just say the word, and I'm on it. Don't, Don't you love that? Just say the word followers practice three kinds of giving. Let me give them to you quickly before we move to the next level. Just say the word followers practice three kinds of giving. Number one, New Testament giving is voluntary. We find the heart of this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves, come on, say it, a cheerful giver. Secondly, New Testament giving is generous. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now folks, I know that many people get all hung up in their theology of Old Testament giving versus New Testament giving. So I thought that maybe it would be good for me to just come along this morning and instead of fussing with anybody saying, here's what I know about New Testament, just say the word, giving. The first is, it's voluntary. Second, it's generous. And third, New Testament giving is sacrificial is sacrifice. Many people in America give leftovers to God. Hey, I'm the one guy in my house who likes to eat leftovers. If I don't eat the leftovers, sometimes they sit there, not till mold grows, but it's close, and then Kathy has this cleaning out party. And I know it's coming, and I don't like to throw away food. So I'm the guy that's willing to eat leftovers when my family wants a fresh, brand new meal every time. Today we're having leftovers. The whole family is having leftovers for lunch today. We are having a leftover party today. It's been discussed and decided by Dad. Kathy's excited because she don't have to cook very much. Just warm it up. I'm excited because what we're having is better the second time. So it's all good. But did you know that some people only give God leftovers? 
And, <clears throat> you know, they pay the bills, they uh, buy what they want to, do what they need, and then give God something. But I found when I read my Bible that the New Testament is marked by sacrifice, a reflection of our faith. I want to look at this powerful scripture in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. Look at it with me. This is a powerful scripture. This scripture will mess with you. Then in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging. Look at that. Begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. These people gave beyond their means and beyond their ability. They begged for the privilege of giving what they could not afford to give. Oh, I wished I could shout. They begged for the opportunity to give what they couldn't afford to give. Wow. What kind of crazy Christians were these? I want to just mention that there will be a few times in our lives where God will will say to us for reasons that we do not fully understand something like this. God will come along and say to all of us at different times, I want you to take a step of faith and give a big chunk of your assets sacrificially. I hesitate to say this, but Kathy and I have been privileged a few times in our lives where God has made it clear that he expects something from us that is a major sacrifice to where we've exhausted much, much of our resources a couple of times completely exhausted what we had to give. And in those moments, I've got to tell you, it was like walking on a tightrope across the Niagara. It was a little weird. But I want to tell you, if the Holy Spirit's behind it, and we're doing it for the right reasons, and obeying God, we're going to learn something about who God is. We're going to learn something about his trustworthiness. We're going to learn something about his faithfulness that will be incredible for our future, for our families, and for our lives. In those moments when God is asking us to do something sacrificial, if we're at this level of spiritual obedience, we will obey. And when we do, 
It will formulate incredible memories for your life. Can I tell you that some of those moments where God has required something of Kathy and I to take steps of faith that were literally on the edge At the time, I hate to say it, if I was in a better place with God, it would have been no problem because I know I could trust him. But, you know, the first time or two, you know it in here, but God, are you really going to come through? And you take a step and you obey the Lord. Do you know now, looking back, Some of the greatest memories in our lives are those moments when we can talk about, look what the Lord has done. Amen, somebody. I know you relate. So that leads us, thank you for the five hand claps. That leads us. Some of you that are new at Calvary are sitting in a building here where that kind of giving went on. Some of you that have given to ministries like that orphanage in India, given to the 180, have give and give and give. You know the joy of this kind of giving. The next one is what I would call spiritual vision. People who go to this level are already giving out of a grace-filled heart. Boy, this is a totally different message to achieving financial freedom. It's a total different message to end this series on. These folks understand that it's all done against the backdrop of the cross. They're they're giving obediently and practicing sacrificial giving. But now they've matured to the point where they look at the whole world a little different. These people are looking at things through a whole different grid. They realize that the world's in trouble. And people are scrambling in our world to fix this world. they begin to see with great clarity that the only hope for the world is the transforming work of Jesus. And when they're seized by the clarity of that vision, it changes the way they view their resources. It changes the way they view their talents and their remaining time on the earth. We have people at Calvary who have spiritual vision and give of their time and their resources. Could I coin this phrase, or use this phrase that's been coined? They give of their time and resources like there's no tomorrow. I find myself honored to be in their presence. I love their insight. One of them said to me recently, do you realize most things in the world are not working anymore. Government isn't working very well. 
Business and the free market system has some problems today. Education has got some challenges today. Health care has got a couple of challenges. There's only, he said this to me, there's only one thing in all of society that has the power to transform human lives. I knew what it was, but I said, what is it? He replied, the people who are a part of a life-giving local church with a vision that is greater than themselves, who are willing to love, live, and teach people the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow God's power to work through them to see lives changed. He said, I've made the decision that for the remaining years of my life, I'm going to give myself, my expertise, my resources to the Lord through Calvary. Because lives are truly being changed and not just being pushed along to a devil's hell. The life-giving local church Folks, a life-giving local church is the hope of the world. Amen? Could I just say Calvary? As long as Jesus is being preached and the life of Jesus is being lived out among its members and we are loving and teaching and ministering the life of Jesus to people, could I tell you we are the hope of the world? We are. Now... We always have to be asking ourselves, what are we going to do? Very soon, God's going to help us, me and our leaders, to roll out a vision plan for what we believe God is speaking to our hearts for the coming years at Calvary. We have reached a point where God has helped us to do some of the impossible things. To be honest, we've been in a little bit of a but it's like God has got us to this point to pray, to seek his voice, to hold steady, to be faithful. Because we sense that God's about ready to put some challenges ahead of us. Because he's got good plans for this house. He's got a purpose that's going to take us into a whole new place of influence and lives being changed. I want to tell you, as your pastor... I want to go. I want to go. I want to go to this new place that God wants to take us. Could I ask you, do you want to go with me? Can we go together for the glory of God? Can we go together? Many of you Calvary people understand this level of giving. We've, we know what it is to experience as a church gifts of land, gifts of equipment, time, even uses of your businesses. We've had people pay their own employees to come down here and work. Calvary is blessed to have people with spiritual vision who believe that our church is really about loving people to life. 
Our church has more talent, more abilities, more commitment, and more resources than we know. If several hundred of us moved to that spiritual vision level where we understood the vision, and from now until the day we die or the Lord comes, decide to strategically make contributions for Christ with our time, our resources, and our giftedness, the potential of this house is incredible. But we got to own that, folks. We must own this. We've got to bump it up a level. And when that happens, our giving will be worlds apart from just paying our dues. Or could I say even tithing? God will elevate us in our giving in incredible ways. We'll feel like we're in a high-stakes kingdom investment situation. Did you hear me? Because we are. What's at stake is heaven and hell for millions of souls. And we can be right in the center of the action. And some of us Some of you are going to move to this place in your life. All right, one more level that I want to talk about that will bring the title of this message home to us. Love. Luke 7, 36 through 38 records that Jesus was at a dinner party when an embarrassing thing happened. A woman who used to be a prostitute before she repented of her sins walked in unannounced with a very expensive bottle of perfume. How many know this story a little bit? Without saying anything to anyone, she opened this expensive bottle of perfume, and what did she do? She poured a drop. She poured a drop out. She got a cotton swab. She poured it out. She poured it out. She couldn't get it back. She poured it out on the Lord's feet. She poured it out. The Bible says it was very expensive perfume. Historians tell us that this bottle of perfume was worth a year's salary. And she pours it out and it causes a stir. I can just imagine someone stopping her in the streets of that town a little later and saying, Hey, you crazy woman, what were you thinking? That was a crazy thing you did. You don't have much money, and you don't even have a job anymore. And you take this most expensive thing that you have, and pour it out on the feet of somebody. What were you thinking? And if you'll allow me a little bit of liberty here, just a little bit with the Word of God, not too much, I can just about hear this gal say, well, it may not make any sense to you, 
but love made me do it. Love made me do it. I'm learning that these levels of giving are incredible. But when God's people enter into this thing with a love for God and a love for the hurting people of the world, love, love will make you do some crazy stuff. sing this little chorus. I got to hear Delana sing this. I'll finish Time in a minute. come to pour my praise on him. Praise the Lord. Would you all, if you want to, you don't have to come down here for a minute. We're going to close down here in this altar. Just come down here close with me. I don't know about you, I'd rather hear Delana sing right now than me talk, but um, how many have noticed that the Spirit of God stepped into this place here this morning in something powerful, a powerful way? I have this sense, just come up close here, guys, so people can get here, just come up close, just round out these altars here a little bit. Hey, could I ask you, you sense this morning like, it's almost like God's setting us up this morning. Do you, do you, do you sense that God's just preparing our hearts? Is anybody getting that besides me here today that God's doing a preparation and kind of taking us back to take us forward, reminding us of what this is all about? I've asked the Lord today to make make the love that he's given to me for him brand new again and fresh the the love that that woman had can you imagine the scorn coming in unannounced there was all kinds of religious rules and culture rules being broken and she says I I know all that stuff, but I got to get past it. I got to get to him. I got to get to Jesus. It just ministers to me this morning when I think about that. I've got to get to the Lord. I got to pour out. She said, my trust is in him. I don't know exactly how it's all going to work out. But I trust the Lord. Kind of reminds me of that that widow woman who gave her two coins. Can you imagine the last two coins she had? And she's a widow. A widow in that culture was a death sentence. It's all she's got. Can you hear somebody on the street saying, I saw you put in your last two coins. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? She said, I just believe that somehow God's going to give me some work. Food's going to come. Something's going to work out. But love made me do it.
Love made me do it. I was thinking about Jesus on the cross. And in that day when somebody was crucified, they'd pull their ripped, torn body, they'd pull it down and throw it in a hole in a grave. It was done. And this guy that was in the shadows, this Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man with a family who has been in the shadows at great risk to himself and to his family, steps out of the shadows and he says, I have a tomb. I want to put my Lord in my tomb. At great risk to himself and his family. Somebody probably said, Why would you do something like that? He's dead. Let it go. It's over. I can just about hear Joseph of Amarathia tell this guy he knew on the street, you don't understand. Love is making me step up to the plate in ways that I wouldn't normally. Lord, I pray for Calvary, for all of us this morning, that love would cause us to do some risky things by world standards. That love, like we prayed this morning before church, would put us right on the edge of some miracles that you want to bring to hurting lives and souls. God, posture us for miracles. We live in a day where we need the miracle-working power of God flowing in hearts and lives. I bless you, Lord. Could we just lift our hands and bless the name of Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. Come to pour my praise on you. Yes, Jesus. Like oil from Mary's alabaster pot. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be angry if I wash his feet. Could I ask you, congregation, to be vulnerable with me for a moment and with the Lord? Could, could I ask you to be vulnerable with me for a moment and say, if this is you, just stretch your hand towards me. If this is you, say, Pastor, pray for me that I'll be 
vulnerable again with the things of God, that I'll be willing to stretch into some unknown territories and, and, and be faithful in things that I can't figure out. Just There'll be a fresh touch of God on my life, a, a fresh surrender, a fresh love. Myself and the congregation to you, Lord, to right this morning. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to be yielded vessels to you, led of you, guided by you, directed by you. Lord, it's not that we don't know the way because you're always ahead of us showing us the way. But help us not to look to the right and to the left, but to look forward to you, O oh God, to guide us. Lord, this world is a mess. Lord, it's unstable in every way that you go. But Lord, you are solid. You are our solid rock, O oh God. Give us guidance. Give us direction, O oh God. And let us follow after you. Lord, let us follow after you, Lord. In whole surrender to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. this awesome we don't want to go do we there, there's something about being in the presence of the Lord you just I, I just I don't know about you but the Holy Spirit's really ministering to my heart challenging me isn't it good isn't it good that we can let God speak to us sometimes we just got to slow down for a minute don't we amen 
It's good. It's good. Kate's got a word in her spirit here. I hear the spirit of the Lord say that giving is the rhythm of heaven. Giving of yourself unto him, the giver of life. Giving of your time, giving your worship. Giving your material things. Giving your words of love and affirmation to him and to others. That heaven flows to the rhythm and the grace of God through the giver, the giver of life, Jesus himself. So give unto the Lord all of your heart, all of your praise, and all that he is asking, for he is more than enough. Father, help us to stay in with the rhythm of heaven, the life of giving and serving and honoring and blessing, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the rhythm of heaven become the rhythm that flows in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stretch your hands up here, Lord. I thank you. I just touch Rock and Makara, representing the whole team that are going to the Philippines. Lord, as they reach out, out of their own expense, because of their love for the work of the Lord, use them in a mighty way, Lord be an encouragement to Dawn and Dusty and the kids, Lord. Lord, our family's a half a world away. But Lord, we thank you for the work of the Lord that goes forth around this world that we get to be a part of it. Use Rock and Makara. Lord, let this be a life, just a great life season for Makara and as you shape her for all of her future and for Grace, for Mike, for Craig. Use them mightily to be an encouragement and be a blessing, Lord. In Jesus' name, pray. Now listen, I guess I'm going to have to let you go, but I really don't want to. But um, I want to tell you, we're going to do something a little different. From the time I say you're dismissed, that wasn't it. From the time I say that, three minutes to the second later, we're going to start. I'm going to start with one of our leaders, the three-legged stool, 10-minute session right here on the front center row with people who would say, I want to learn how to... Be discipled for the Lord and be a follower, and I want to learn how to help others do that. So we're going to give you a 10-minute little gifts, something in your hand. We want to help you to jumpstart your journey of being a disciple and being a disciple maker, because that's God's plan for all of us. Lord, I thank you for this service. Thank you for all that you've done in our hearts today, Lord. Let us not leave what you did in our hearts here. Take it with us. Shape us, God. Let this be a service that when we look back, says this is one of those times when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart in a profound way and challenged me to go forward in love. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you.